Well, well. Let's jump in this word. Let's jump in this word. Okay, let's uh, let's look back in Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Anybody have any questions? Anything you want to share? Give away. Matthew 21. Jesus said, out of the mouth of sucklings and babes, he has ordained what? Praise. He has ordained praise. 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 We said in Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is where he draws this from. Instead of the word praise, he uses the word strength. So what Jesus has done for us is that he has transliterated the meaning of what he meant when he said in Psalm 8 that God has ordained strength out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. So we're looking at Matthew 21 and verse number 16 Remember, Jesus came to the temple. People were praising him. The blind and the lame came to him. He was healing and the people, the leadership, had trouble with it and told them to keep them quiet. And Jesus said, you have not heard or read in verse 16 when he says, do you not hear what these things, what they are saying? And Jesus said, yes, I hear them. Have you not read? Have you not heard? Remember, hearing is what? Seeing in the kingdom of God. They, they, were, they had missed this. He says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. In the Old Testament, it says you have ordained. Verse 17, then he left them and he went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. So uh, we were looking at this morning how they were crying out to him, Hosanna. What does that mean? We said that it means save now. That is drawn out of what? Psalm 118, 118, save now. That Jesus is the cornerstone. And as the cornerstone, everything is built attached to him, aligned to him, around him, and uh, he is our salvation. Today is the day of salvation, and we ought to rejoice and be what? Glad. Glad in it. Hebrews would go on to tell us that we can say today is the day of salvation because it is, because it's a day the Lord has made. Amen. And we believe in faith that he made today, and he made it and put it into motion and spoke it into existence before time ever began. And, and how important it is to have an outlet. We got to be able to share. If we don't share, we become like these moms, right? We get, we get stagnant. Uh, that water in us pools up and it winds up drowning us rather than working through us to do what it's supposed to do. So, I mentioned that with this temple and all that was going on in this house that they had done turned into, as Jesus described it, as a den of thieves. Remember we talked about all that chitter chatter and all that noise of the marketplace where this one was selling lambs and this one was selling doves and this one was selling grain and this one was selling incense and this one had bulls for sale and everybody was trying to sell their product. I mean, when you go to market and you bring your goods to be sold, you don't want to go home with anything. Uh, you're more profitable if you sell it all. 
You don't want to have a stockpile to take back home with you because uh, you're getting into your profit margin, so they want to sell it. So as the day goes on and as the time goes on, they're starting to lower their prices, and they want everybody to know that. So they they out there tell them, look, I got these, I got two doves. I'm selling two doves for for half the price of one dove. And boy, all that talk's going on, and they getting all this attention in a place that had been designed to gather together to hear from God and to share our hearts with Him and bring offerings to Him. Everybody was making money off of it. Everybody was capitalizing off of it. And they were uh, mistreating and misleading and and overpricing things because convenience. I mean, y'all still stop at some of these convenience stores and get your stuff so you just don't have to walk into Walmart. Anybody? Amen. You'll pop into those. You're, you're willing to pay a, a little extra, right? Yeah. You're willing to pay a little extra for a little less product. Because you don't want to have to deal with the hustle and bustle. Well, a lot of them were willing to play a little bit extra there at the temple to buy it than have to bring it all the way from home. It just made it convenient, so they were willing to give up the money. Before you know it, you know how things are. Inflation, prices always what? Climbing. And boy, it made it a challenge. It made it a challenge for people. And boy, Jesus come in after all those years of seeing that as a child growing up in the places that he went in. And when he and his family would go there during that time frame, remember he, he'd been there before. Y'all remember in other gospels it tells us that when Jesus reached a certain age, he hung out a little while. Yeah. And boy, he began to teach the people. Uh, about his father and they couldn't find him after his parents had went back and he'd stayed and they said, where you been? Don't you know I need to be about my what? My father's business. So he had seen all this. He had been accustomed to it. There's been other times he showed up and seen, but now God whispered in his ear and said, do something about it. Get them out of here. So he overturned the tables and run them out. One translation said he run them out with a whip. Put a whip on some of them. Got them out. Made it it happen. Made it happen. But see, it hadn't always been that way. We mentioned this morning. What did I ask y'all to read earlier today? First Chronicles what? 23 23 and also up to 28 and 29. Uh, Let's go back there. Uh, Let's start in chapter 29. Chapter 29. First Chronicles 29. 29 and 28. Don't let me leave without saying something about 23. First Chronicles. If you go to Samuel and Kings, you'll come to Chronicles. First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles uh, has some rich stuff in it. I'm telling you, you'll find these nuggets tucked away in there. That will just bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Uh, Carolyn, I think we're going to start in 28. I said 29, but I want you to just pick up on a couple things. You need to read all this in its order and its flow because there's a lot in it, but it's a lot worth reading, of course. It's the message of God, and David's even going to highlight why this was so important to him uh, as well, being that it is the Word of God. But look in 28.9. I just... this. David is is stepping up in his final days. He's older. 
He's done reigned over Israel for 40 years. He's 70 years old. He's in the tail end of his life. He is transferring these things over to his son and he is standing before them. David really wanted to build this temple. It was in his heart to build this temple. He had a burden within him to build this temple. Remember we was reading in 2 Samuel and in chapter 7, David had in his mind that he wanted to build this place and he told Nathan the prophet that what he was going to do and Nathan the prophet encouraged him, edified him, told him to go do what was in his heart and during the night, God came to the prophet and said, look, go tell David he can't do this. Nathan humbly acknowledged that he spoke out of turn got ahead of God, goes to David and says, David, this is what God told me. You are a man of war and bloodshed and you cannot build this temple, but God's going to do something in you, in your family, and your son is going to build this temple. And David wanted more than anything. said he was sitting in his house and he realized what majesty was involved in what he had built for himself and the ark sat in a tent. And he said, this ain't right here. I want to build something glorious for God. And, but God says, you can't do it. It's not going to be you. It's not part of my plan for you to do this. But I'm going to do something through you. And I'm going to do something in your son. And no, but notice 28.9. 28.9. This was at the heart of the man. This is what he wanted, what he longed for. Verse 9 says, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal or perfect heart and with a willing mind. And the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Now that's a message right there. Know him. Not know about him. But what? Know him. Know the God of your fathers. Not the God of Israel. Though he was. Though he is. Not the God of Abraham. Though he was. Though he is. Not the God of Judah. Though he is. But David was saying the God that you know that I've served and walked with, the God that I love and treasure, the God that I live for and done all that I've done uh, up to this point. You know what God has done on our behalf. You know the promises that God has given me and what he's declared. Know him. Know the God of your father. I'm not ashamed of him. Praise God. Amen. I'm not ashamed to say that this is what he's given me to do and what he's done for me through the years, what he's promised he will do. I'm not ashamed of where he sent me, of where I've been, or the fact that I spent 10, 15 years living in the wilderness, running from the previous king, a man that I loved and a, and a man's family that I loved, the man that I served and I had to run and I had to fight and I watched people die and I've seen all these things because of what this God was doing. 
This is the God I want you to know and I want you to know him personally and I want you to know him intimately and I want you to serve him and I want you to seek him and I want you to live for him all the days of your life. I want you to pass the message on that he gives you to to the next generation. He was not ashamed and I want to tell you anybody that knows this God will not be ashamed of him. That's why the scripture are, is so specific that Jesus said, he who is ashamed of me in this world, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he returns. You cannot know Jesus and not love Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can't know him and not want to walk with him. You can't know him and not want to serve him. You can't know him and not want to seek him. The more you know him, Miss Pat, the greater you love him. And he's saying, I want you to know, Solomon, know the God of our Father. Serve him with a single-minded heart. Give your heart to him. That's the idea of a loyal or perfect heart is a single-minded heart. David tells us that in the Psalms. He asked God to do what? Unite my heart. Unite my heart that I might fear you. Unite my heart. My heart can get what? Distracted. It can be pulled here. It can be pulled with this event and that thing and this worry and that worry. That's why David kept asking God to do what? Unite his heart. Pull it all together, Lord, that I can single-mindedly place my affection upon you. Don't let me be distracted with things. And not just that. But a single heart and a willing mind for God to shape and renew. What did we talk about this morning? Adoration precedes transformation of the mind. And transformation always comes before application. And then with application will come the affirmation of God's presence and will upon your life. Here's David saying, this is what I want you to know. To know him is to praise him. Amen. To know him is to give gratitude and thanks to him. To know him is to love him. To know him is to serve him. To know him is to seek him. And this is what David is saying. A willing, loyal heart and mind to do what God would have you to do. Now, that will bless a fellow. I know what it does for me. So David's been doing all that he's doing, preparing. He's been gathering these leaders together. Look in verse number 19. He's laid out for them the, the course. He's laid out for them the temple. He's given them what they need to build it. See, David gave all the preparation for it. David gave them the plans for it. David gave them the purpose of why this needed to be built. He couldn't build it. But I want to tell you, he did everything thing possible for that place to be built minus building it he done it all greg he 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 did everything needful minus building the actual temple he said i might not be able to build it but whoever comes behind me specifically my son solomon he's got everything laid out for him all he has to do is put it into action and ain't no different than that with jesus jesus done everything we needed All we got to do is trust him and walk in it. Amen. He's made the provision for it. But notice this verse, verse number 19 of 28. David says, all this, said David, the Lord made me what? 
He made me what? Y'all say that with me. The Lord made me. Understand. Understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. This is the model that God had already given. Where was the model given? Remember when they had the tabernacle? Remember in Exodus when Moses was on the mountain? Who gave, who gave Moses the model? Of how the tabernacle which preceded the temple for which David wanted to build for God because he felt like God deserved some majestic place and not just this tabernacle that he was, uh, that was attributed to his glory and name. God gave them all that was the plans how to build this magnificent temple according to God's plan. He had already given it. And David says here that God had written it down and because of God's hand upon him, Karen, God gave him understanding to know the plans and how to get it done. Favor upon his life opened up the word of God in his life. God's hand of favor upon us is what opens up our understanding to know what has been written in this revelation. This is a living book. It is alive, but it is concealed to those who don't know him and for whom God's hand of uh, favor is not upon. You can't understand this word. You can't understand this living message. You don't, can't see the plan of God and the purposes of God and the prescriptions of God, even the, the, the uh, perspective, purpose, and plan of God down the road outside of God giving us understanding on it. And God's got to do that. Even the scripture says that with Jesus and his disciples, remember they walked with him for three years. They seen all that he did. They heard all that he taught. He told them about his death, his burial, his resurrection, what they would do following that. It says, but he came to them after his resurrection. And the scripture says he opened up their understanding that they could comprehend what was written in the scriptures. God's got to give us the understanding of these things. And so David humbly and with insight and wisdom recognized that it would be impossible for him to be able to see these things, know these things, declare these things, share these things, give them away to do what he's done if it had not been for God's hand of favor upon him to give him the understanding to see it and then operate in it and then give him everything he needed for it to come together. He knew who was at work and he gave, he gave him glory for it. Amen. We don't want to miss that in anything and all things that we do. Now look in chapter 29. There's so much more in this. But that's why I encourage you to take your time and, and read it when you can because I know it will bless you. Verse 20, verse 1 of chapter 29 says, Furthermore, there was more to it. King David said to all the assembly, this was the leadership, as well as the people coming to him, my son Solomon, for whom alone God has chosen. He is young and he is inexperienced. He's tender. And the work is great. Because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Amen. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might. 
gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze of things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones to be set in glistening stones of various colors, all kind of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Now we can keep on reading that, but that this is where I want to uh, pull in in that in that first verse, that first and second verse. When David makes reference to before the people, because Solomon was, Solomon was young and he was inexperienced. And when you read all this, and when Solomon stands later on at the dedication of the temple and Solomon prays and his daddy's no longer there, Solomon's going to pray the very things that he heard his daddy teach and he's heard his daddy tell the people in that day. And what his father asked God to do for Solomon and what he asked for him to give to Solomon and Solomon stands before God and he asks, what does you want? And Solomon said, Lord, I need you to give me what? Wisdom so that I could lead effectively for your glory, your people. And God says, because you didn't ask for more money. You didn't ask for more of this and more of that. I'm going to give you wisdom beyond anybody else. And I'll give you everything else that you didn't ask for. These things are what his father had already planted in him when he stood before the congregation that day and spoke these things over his young son and over them. It's just him taking, he was shaping Solomon as he was shaping the nation of what God was going to do. But notice, notice this. This blesses me. He said he's young and tender or inexperienced and the work is great. You know, that's what, that, that, that makes all the difference of how you see the work. Of how you see the work. Amen. You know why people don't get busy for Jesus? They just don't see the work as great. Come on. That's what it all boils down to. You know why they, they, people or you or I or anybody else don't do what Jesus simply have asked us to do is because we don't see it as great, as significant. David, notice what he says here. The work is great. The work is glorious. The work is good. The work is great. Then he uses that phrase. Because the temple is not about man, the temple is about who? That's what made it great, amen. amen. It's who it was for. Is that it's great and it's glorious and it's good because who it is for. Who it is for. So whether you like Stephanie and the other ladies are preparing and working to, to help these little ones and instill that Christmas message of the Lord Jesus Christ into them, you don't take that work lightly. Why? That work is great. great. Amen. Amen. Because of who it's for. Amen. It's great. This work that we do here is a great work. It doesn't have to be a, a big work. It's a great work because who it is for. And when you get up in the morning and you go on the job and you go on the job because it's for Jesus, you do what you do for Jesus. I want to tell you, that's a great work. 
That's a great work. It doesn't matter what you, what you have to do on that job, how big or how little or how significant, it automatically becomes great when it's who it's for. And when it's for Jesus, when it's for the glory of the kingdom, it's great, amen. And you look at it all differently. We look at it. And I think that's really the, what we see throughout the New Testament, don't we? Doesn't he say that? Hey, when you serve the Lord, serve him with all your might. Serve him with all your heart. Do all as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And when you do it as unto the Lord, that's what makes it great. You see, they lost that in Jesus' day. They didn't see that work of the Lord in the temple of God as being great. So they let all the money changers come in there and they let all the chitter chatter get in the way. And, and what they were doing was making a mockery of things. But Jesus still saw the vision that this work was great. Amen. Amen. And boy, it stirred him. It moved him to act upon that. And what a difference that makes in our life when we realize, hey, whether it's one person or a million people, it all depends on who it's for. And when it's for the glory of God, that work is great. Amen. Amen. It's great because the temple is not for man, but it is for the Lord. He says in verse number two, now for the house of my God, because it's a great work, because if it's a, a glorious work, it is a good work. He says, I have prepared with what? A part of my heart. Is that what he said? David said, I poured all my heart into this. I poured, I prepared with all my what? With all my might. Because it was for the Lord. And because it was for the Lord... It was a great, significant work. So it, it's all a matter of our position, right? If we can't see what we're about to do as a great thing for God, we need to evaluate what we're doing. Because everything we do, if we do it for him, we need to evaluate if it's for him, this is a great work to be done. And therefore, I can pour my all my what? my might into it. I can pull my heart into this. I can give my affection to it. Not because it's I'm giving it for man. I'm giving it for the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's a work that God has given me to do. Now, this goes way beyond just the physical thing that has taken place. If you look, if you would, over in uh, the same chapter, Look in verse number 18. Verse number 18. Chapter 29, verse number 18. After all that David did, he shared with them that all the resources that have been pulled together already, that David had gathered together, David willingly, this is why you need to read the entire chapter, David willingly gave out of his own pocket tons of gold. Not just pounds, but we're talking about tons of pounds of gold out of his own resources. The leaders, when they heard that day of what he was doing and he was asking them to not grudgingly, we talked about that this morning with little Hallie Jane bringing up that offering, how God loves a 
cheerful giver. They delightfully and cheerfully gave unto this work because it was a great work. David poured his might into it, but he gave tons and tons of silver and gold and stones. And then the people, the leaders begin to give tons and tons of gold and silver and stones out of their treasuries to the work. And notice the response. Notice what David says in verse number 18. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, the God of our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the hearts of your people and fix their heart toward you. You hear that there? What he witnessed that day and their willingness to pour into this great and good and glorious work. He said, Lord, keep this mindset forever in the intent or the imagination of the thoughts and hearts of your people. Verse 19, and give my son Solomon a what? A perfect heart, a loyal heart. Why do I ask you to give him a loyal heart, a perfect heart, a single heart, a heart that is focused on you so that he can keep your your commandments, your statutes, your testimonies, that he may be able to do all these things and... To build the temple for which I've made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads, prostrated themselves before the Lord and the king. You hear his prayer. His prayer was is that Solomon's heart would be right with God. And for Solomon's heart to be right with God, Solomon would have to keep or guard or protect the ways of God. And as Solomon's heart was right and he kept to the ways of God, then the outcome of that would be many other things, but this temple would also be part of it. You see what he put in order? His heart right so that he can walk in the ways of God and then he can do the work of God. Are you with me? It's always in that, in that order. When God is at work, to what? To seek him first. To know him. And his righteousness. To walk in his ways. And then you, you serve. You do the work of preparing or building this temple. For an example, we've been commissioned to go forth and build the kingdom of God. To go tell the story of Jesus. To go preach the gospel. To go make disciples of all the nations. But that can't precede us. Seeking and knowing first the king and the kingdom, giving ourselves to him as a living sacrifice, him transforming and renewing our minds so that we can go forth and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. You, you see that order. Adoration, giving yourself over. Transformation, application, and then affirmation by doing what he's called us to do. But you get that out of order, you don't have success. You don't prosper no different than what he told Joshua. He told Joshua the same thing. He said, Joshua, this is my plan for you. Meditate 
upon the law of the Lord. Don't let it get out of your mouth. Always think on it. Always be chewing on it. Get everything you can out of it. He says, when you do that, then you'll be able to keep what I've given you to walk in. You'll be able to keep the, the word of God. You'll be able to keep the ways of God. You'll be able to fulfill that. And then your way will be prosperous. You see, the plan is meditate. The purpose is so that you can walk in the ways of God. And the prize is God gives you wisdom and success and prosper you. And this is exactly what we see David praying for Solomon. Lord, keep his heart right. To keep his heart right, he needs to hear from you. And what he hears from you is what he needs to walk in and do. And then whatever he touches, whatever he builds, we're asking you to prosper it for your glory. So that order is always there. And why is it worth it? It's worth it because it's for God. And because it's for God, it's what? It's a great work. It's a great, great work. Look at that again. Verse 19. Give Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments, your statutes, your testimonies, your statutes, to do all these things that is to be done and to build the temple for which I personally, David, have made the provisions for. Keep, give him a loyal heart, a united heart to keep, to do and to build. Go look over in Joshua 1. Watch how he told Joshua the exact same thing. Joshua 1. Genesis. Exodus. Leviticus. Numbers. Deuteronomy. And you'll come to what? Joshua. Look in Joshua 1. Verse number eight. One eight says, This book of the law shall not depart from where? Your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. And we talked about that word meditate, it means to mull over, to chew on a thing. It's like a cow when he chews the cud. Why does a child a cow choose the cud? To get all the nutrition out of it. To get everything you could possibly get out of it. That's why it swallows it and brings it back up. That cow's got to take a nursing calf up to about a thousand pounds, right? That takes a lot of nutrition to do that. So she gets all she can out of it. And the plan and the process that God has given, that's that idea of meditating, not letting it depart. You just keep chewing on it and chewing on it, getting all you can out of it. Don't let the law, the law can be summed up in what? One word. What's the word? What's the word, Miss Pat? Love. The law is summed up in one word. Love. Love God with and love your neighbor. So we can sum it up with one word. It's the word love. Now we can't love God with all our heart, nor can we love our neighbor the way God requires that. So God sent a substitute on our behalf so that we could be rightly related to him through him who was able to fulfill that law. We couldn't, but the law is the law, and the law is to love God and love our neighbor. And he said, don't let that ever depart from your mouth. Chew on that. To love him and love people. To be righteous 
and justice. To love him and love people. We miss that often and we need, we need somebody to cover us for that. That's what we need a covering for sin for because we miss the mark in loving God. We miss the mark in loving people. But praise God, Jesus hit the mark. Amen. But this is what he's referring to. Meditate on it. Why do we do this? That's the plan. This is the purpose of the plan. That you may observe to do according that all is written in it. You're not going to do it unless you chew on it. Unless it becomes part of your everyday living, that you're getting all you can out of it. Isn't that what David prayed for Solomon? That Lord give him a loyal heart to keep. You see, if you don't have a loyal heart, you're not going to keep. And if you don't have a loyal heart, you're not going to meditate. Are you with me? If you don't have a loyal heart, if your heart is united to fear God to give place to him, you're going to be thinking on... This and that and everything else under the sun but what is needful. And you're not going to seek God. You're going to seek and manipulate circumstances and situations to work out for ourselves. So the idea of meditating is the idea of that united heart that focuses in, that single-mindedness. What does Isaiah 26.3 teach us, Miss Pat? What does it say? The Lord will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is what? That's the, that's the loyal heart. That's the united heart. Why does he keep his mind on thee? Because he trustingly. What does God keep him in? Perfect peace. Why do we have that? Righteousness and peace you can't separate. And when a man trusts God with a loyal heart, God sees that man as righteous. And when that man is righteous, God then grants peace to that man. And then he can meditate and mull over what God has said. And then he can walk in what God has given. And that's what David was praying. God, keep my son's heart perfect toward you. Loyal, single-minded, that he'll fear you. And then feed him, feed him your ways, your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, your ways. That you can observe to do all that is written in it. And then notice the prize. We got the plan. We got the purpose, now the prize. The prize is, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Solomon will be able to build that temple, and he will know that it is a good work, because the good work is for the glory of God. Amen? And boy, he's walking in the wisdom of God now. He's walking in the wonders of the Lord. And he's able to pour his might into it. And he's able to pour his life into it. He's able to give his affections toward it because he knows it's good. He knows it's glorious. He knows that it's great. So what we have right here in Joshua is what we also find even previous to this. uh, in, In other places, we see it is that God has a plan. God always has a purpose for his plan. And God always has a prize when we trust his plan and walk in his purpose. Hebrews 11 says it like this. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And he that draws near to God must believe that he is God and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. Amen. Amen. There's always a plan. There's always a purpose. There's always a prize. When you're walking with the Lord. And the prize of God is his presence and favor upon us. Isn't that what David said? Because of God's favor and hand upon me. 
he has given me understanding in all these things that he has written. So uh, we, 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 we see this. Now go back to First Chronicles 29. Go back there just for a moment. And let's look at this uh, praise before we go tonight in First Chronicles 10, 29, beginning in verse number 10. David just gets caught up in the Lord and he can't help but bless the Lord. What does the New Testament teach us about David? He was a man after. Scripture says he served his generation by the will of God. That David served his generation well by the will of God. Was David a messed up guy? Did he let his mess ups mess him up? But what did he keep doing? kept turning back and going back to the Lord. He knew his solution, amen, for life. He knew who he was dependent upon. Uh, we're going to see some things mentioned in the New Testament that we read right here. He says, therefore, David blessed the Lord. This is verse 10 of 1 Chronicles 29. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our father. And you are blessed for how long? Forever. You know right now everything, right now, everything in heaven is blessing the Lord. Amen. Giving praise and adoration to Him. There is never not a time that God's not being blessed and adored and elevated and magnified and lifted up. I may not bless Him. But he's always being blessed and he will be blessed forever and ever. Amen. Now the key is I, I, I want my life to be consistently drawn toward being part of that, that heavenly praise and that earthly praise that has given him adoration. I want to be part of that work. Amen. Amen. I want to, and this is what David's doing. He is inviting them to join them in blessing this happy, delightful, unique, holy, just and merciful and loving God. Verse 11, he says, yours, O Lord, is what? You possess greatness. You possess, you possess, you possess, you possess majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is what? Yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. So if there's any greatness, it is to ascribe greatness to you. If there's any power, that power is to ascribe power to you. If there's any glory, that glory is to be pointed to you. Victories should be pointed to you. Majesty and splendor, all that should be pointed to you. That's why Jude closed out his letter like this, to our God and Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Ain't nothing changed with God. Are you with me? He says in verse 12, both riches and honor come from where? Come from thee, from you, and you reign over all. In your hand, God, in your hand, in your control is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great 
and to give strength to all. It is in your hand to make one great. It is in your hand to make one powerful, to distribute. That is to do, declare, and to distribute power and greatness. It is in your control. It is in your hand. And we can't all but help but think, say amen. 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 Verse 13. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. And then David, in his humility, says, but who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly as this. Who are we? I mean, these people just put out tons and tons and tons of provisions. And they did it cheerfully. They did it delightfully. They did it lovingly. Because they knew the work was... Great. And then David says, why? Why are we able to do this so willingly? And he reminds them, he reminds us, he reminds the Lord, for all things come from who? From you. David said, everything I got came from you. The reason I can willingly lay it at your feet is you the one gave it to me, God. You gave it to me. And of your own, and of your own, we have given you. You know, of your own. We just given back what you gave to us. You just let us be stewards over it for a little bit. Are you with me? It's yours. It's yours. Listen to the meekness in his, in his spirit, Brother Shannon. Amen. We willingly gave it and we gave tons of it, but it all belonged to you anyway. You let us use it for, for a period of time. We've given it back to you now. Of yours, we gave back to you. Same way with our praise. Amen. Same way with our praying. Same way with our preaching. Same way with it all. If God didn't give it, it ain't worth giving away. Amen. And if it's worth giving away, it's because God gave it. Amen. Verse 15. Notice this, this image here. For we are what? We're strangers. David says this in another psalm. We're aliens. We're strangers. We're foreigners. And pilgrims before you that would be with you in this world as we walk through it before you. We're aliens, strangers, and foreigners, pilgrims. As were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a... Boy, they come and go quick, don't they? Amen. Some have gone quicker than we anticipated, but they come and go quick. And he says, and they are without what? What's your translations read? And without what? Without a trace. Without a trace. Without what? Non-abiding. Non-abiding. Without remaining, continuing. The idea is, our hope is not in this world we live in. Amen. Our lives are what going to come and go. go, but you are constant. You are forever. And we live in this world with no hope in this world. But we glorify you for what you have given. Man, that's a thanksgiving. That's a psalm right there, isn't it? That's a word. Man. In your hand is power and might to do, declare, and distribute as you see fit. Mm -mm -mm. Go back to chapter 23. 23. I, I told y'all to remind me, didn't I? And then we, we, we out of here. 
This is the picture of what led up to where we are here. 23, 1 Chronicles 23. We see this gift of transferring what is important. That's what leadership is. Leadership is a gift of transferring to those that we love and care for what is important to us. What is important to us. And this is what David's doing. To do that, he gathered the men and then he guided them. Verse 1 says, So when David was old, full of days, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. Verse 2, And he gathered together all the leaders. And then we see in the rest of it, he began to guide them. Look what verse number 5 says, For for thousands were gatekeepers, and four thousand praised the Lord with musical instruments, which David says, I made those instruments. What did I make them for? Say it again. I made them for giving praise. I made them for giving praise. I love that. Because you know that's the mark of our creator. The scripture says whatever he created and whatever he made, he made it that it would give, that it would give praise. And I want to tell you in Christ Jesus, he has recreated us in Christ so that we would give praise to him. We've been made to give praise. We've been, we are an instrument, a vessel, a vessel of his mercy. And we were made, Miss Barbara, to give praise unto God. Amen. We were made to give praise. And you know how we continue to give praise? We just talked about it tonight. When we understand that we are the workmanship of God and whatever God's work is in and whatever work is for him, it is what kind of work? It's a it's a great work. Amen. I want to tell you in here tonight, if you belong to Jesus, you are a great work of a great master. Amen. And that work is worth building. That work is worth building on. Remember David says that? He was like a master building, building upon the foundation that God had already laid. And he said, you want to put on good materials, not waste, not, not hay, wood, and stubble that's going to burn up. So you want to use things like gold and silver and precious stones that is, that is only refined as it goes through the fires. Amen? Amen. I want to tell you, God is at work. We can glorify him. We can pour our hearts into what he's given us to do. Might and power is his. Glory and dominion is his. And the work he's given is great. It is good and it is glorious because it is a work for him. You don't have to be ashamed of it. You don't have to cower away from it. Because all power might belong to him who's given you the work to do. And what he's created you for is to give him praise as you do his work. And that's exactly what David was summonsing these leaders to transfer this authority and power over to his son and gave everything needful for his son to build that which is, was going to be great for the glory of God. And I want to tell you, that's such a word. Amen. Amen. Men and women who have a burden that carry a burden. Brother Shannon called, was it yesterday or the day before, Friday? And we were talking, old log truck passed by him. When that log truck passed by him, he said, he ain't seen this. You don't see this often. He said, old big old log truck passed by and had a big old Christian flag 
flying off the top of it. But he said, I want to tell you, I want to tell you a good, a good thing that I just seen. Just while we were talking, a flag, uh, a truck with a flag went by. Big old flag. We got to talking about log trucks or big trucks. And I said, you know, these old log trucks come by here every day. Old Greg Briggs come by here pulling that trailer with that track hole and that dump truck. You know, I can tell when Greg's coming by and he's got an empty load or he's got a full load. The truck sounds different, don't it? It's a lot noisier when it's empty. You hear every clank, every piece of metal or whatever that ain't tied down, strapped down, is rattling and clanking. But when you load those logs on it or you put that that dirt in it or you put that track hoe on that, that trailer and you come through here, it's still loud. But you don't hear all the clinking and the clanking and all that when it's got a load on it. When it's under a burden. And it's only when that thing's under a burden with a load that it's, that it's really profitable. Amen. If, if it's just riding down the road with no burden on it, that thing's costing you money. But if it's got a load on it, it becomes profitable. Are you with me? Amen. I have found in my own journey the most profitable people in the kingdom are those who are carrying a load. They got a burden on them. David had a burden. We need to have a burden. His burden was the work was great. So he poured his life into it. But you know, people that don't have a burden, they don't have a load. They'd allowed us. Come on. They do a lot of loud talking, but little walking. Are you with me? Old preacher friend of mine, what was old brother Malcolm Ellis used to say all the time? Higher the maintenance, lower the impact. Higher the maintenance, lower the impact. That's right. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Higher the maintenance, lower the impact. Heavier the load, the more profitable and the quieter it is going down the road. Take the burden off of it. It's going to make a whole lot of noise and not be that profitable. Are you with me? Higher the maintenance, lower the impact. (laughs) Praise Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. To him be the glory. What did he create you for? For his glory and praise. Amen. Go praise him. Go tell the world about him. Keep walking with him. Keep celebrating. Keep giving him glory. They lost it in the days of Jesus. Had the God of glory in their presence. And because they were high maintenance. And because they had no burden. They complained about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Being praised in his own house. And they would rather the chatter. Of the marketplace. Than the miracle of his presence. Setting people free. Amen. They didn't see the work great. But Jesus did. Because he knew who the work was for. Amen.
And what did he do? He poured his life into it. Made all the provisions for it. And then he tells us, I've done it all. Now you go build my kingdom. You go build my church. You go make disciples of all the nations. Amen? Amen. And as he prayed in John 17, Lord, as you sent me, I send them. Keep them by your word. Sanctify them by your word. That's the same thing David prayed. Amen? Amen. For his son Solomon. Great pictures all the way through the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. We bless you and praise you. Ask you to use these things to strengthen, encourage, and nourish, and feed us that we too go forth and tell your story. That we carry uh, the weight of the burden of your message, your people. That we asking you to unite our heart to fear you. That we would serve you single-mindedly and keep your ways and thankful that when we mess up, it don't have to mess us up because you've already perfected it all for us. You've already made the provision. You've given so much more than what David could have ever gave for that temple to be built. You gave your life and spilt your blood. And we praise you for it and thank you. Now you are building what we know of today in the church as the tabernacle of David that you dwell in and reign over. And we can't help but praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.